Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1234 in Edmonton, 1134 in, uh, no, 1234 in Edmonton, 134. Uh, Central Time, the Oilers in the Minnesota Wild tonight. You can text us at 630-630 on our West Log 4 text line. Hammer has texted the show to say, Lanny McDonald, Bob, on your topic as to uh, who's your favorite non-Oilers player of all time. Lanny McDonald, nicest hockey player I've ever met. <laughs> Followed by Matt Davidson, who played 56 games with the Blue Jackets. He coached my son at Novice, Adam and Peewee. That comes to us from Hammer. Well, thanks, Hammer. Uh, out of Red Deer, Bob, uh, favorite uh, non-owners currently have to be Patrice Bergeron and Patrick Laine. Non-current had to be Joe Sackick and Martin Brodeur. Another text out of Edmonton, favorite non-owner player, Scott Stevens. How can anyone not like him? Oh, there's a lot. Uh, Rugged from Saskatoon, favorite non-owner says Jonathan Taze all the way. This text on favorite non-owner, Jill Perrault, for his end-to-end rush as well. 1976 Canada Cup, as I recall. Jill Perrault was mighty fine in that event. Right up there, Bobby Orr. And I'm saying something. Arnold from High Prairie says his favorite non-owner player of all time was Martin St. Louis. Again, you can text us at 630, 630. Yeah, John. And uh, Raider Jesse responding to... Uh, a tweet of mine that I put out last night uh, just regarding what occurred uh, with Edmonton. And we're going to bring John Shannon in momentarily here to talk about a couple different things. Uh, but uh, the tweet again, the Edmonton Oilers chose a path a few years ago to get bigger and heavier to match the California teams in the Pacific, something that the majority of media fans in Edmonton were completely on board with at that time. Uh, and Raider Jesse says, well, maybe, uh, just maybe, the majority of local fans are constantly wrong, and I'm happy to disagree with the majority more often than not. That one comes to us from Raider Jesse. I follow that tweet up by saying the NHL has moved in a completely different direction to a speed and skill-based game, and the future of the Oilers will need to focus on those type of players to complement McDavid and Dreisaitl. All right, let's bring aboard John Shannon. John, how are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. And... I, I, you know, in full disclosure here, you have access to people in the Oilers organization. 
Uh, There's fans that want to, well, the Oilers went big and heavy because that's what Peter Shirelli wanted. Uh, That's not necessarily what happened here. It was an entire organizational philosophy, wasn't it? I think so. I mean, I, I, I listen. I, I and I still think it's a. I still still think everybody's on the same page within the organization. Um, you know, and and what happens is you see cracks and you hear of cracks when people don't win. But if you, if if you if you look at uh, Oscar Clefbaum, the last time he played at a hundred percent. If you look at Cam Talbot, and when he was finally when when how well he played last year versus this, I think there's enough. Anomalies this season that uh, there's a justification to stay a little bit of the course. Now there are still some ways to improve this team because you have to you have to get back on track. Um, But I do think that uh, in many ways uh, what we've seen with the hockey club in the month of March, where they were what were they 500 in the month of March? Yeah, they they should have finished better. They were seven four and one at one point. Yeah, but. yeah, but I mean, at, at, at some point, even even the greatest of players loses interest at times. Um, right. You know, I I, th- I think that uh, I think there's enough positives in in this one uh, that you uh, you have to stay a bit of the course. You might have to make it a small. You know, I might have to go around the block once once, Bob. But yeah, there's still a lot to be positive about. All right. Well, let's uh, let's cut to a chase in here. Uh, and here's part of the thing: when you're watching Taylor Hall will the New Jersey Devils into the playoffs. Uh, so just I'm going to play the hypothetical game here. It's going to be hard for a lot of the voters to choose Connor McDavid to win the Hart Trophy when the Oilers are 15 to 20 points out of a playoff spot despite Connor's brilliance this year. Uh, you know, highest uh, even strength uh, scoring total since Henrik Sedin. And we'll hit on the Steens a little bit later on. But all that being said, so McDavid is a long shot, uh, and then you got Nate McKinnon, and if Colorado doesn't make it, does the same rule apply for them and him, which brings us to Taylor Hall. I mean, he, well, I'll ask you point blank, is Taylor Hall going to be one of the final five for the Hart Trophy? Yes, he will. He will okay. be, uh, I mean, and just so so everybody understands, when you fill out your ballot for all the major trophies, you, t- you put it one to five. Uh, and it, listen, Connor. I, I'm I'm quite convinced that Connor McDavid will be a finalist. Right. Uh, I think there's enough respect uh, for what he's done that, and he will garner enough votes that he will be one of the three in Las Vegas. Uh, but and and I think and I th- and and I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if if Taylor is one of those as well. You know, you know, really, when you look at it, when you look at uh, McDavid, you look at Hall, you look at McKinnon, I do believe in the logic if uh, if McDavid can't win it, uh, how can McKinnon win it if they don't make the playoffs? I, I, mean, I mean, if it's common sense and it's logical, I, I believe in that. Uh, the guy that I think is getting tremendously overlooked in the Hart Trophy discussion, and I, it's hard to imagine, is Evgeny Malkin. Because I think Evgeny Malkin has had as good a season as anybody in the National Hockey League this year, uh, and they are in the playoffs. <laughs> and and I think we've said this refrain before. It's difficult to think that Evgeny Malkin might be able to be in the finalists for the Hart Trophy, but but he may not even be the most valuable player on his own team. They have three players that are 80 plus points. Only team in the NHL, Pittsburgh Penguins. With that, I'll take this differently at you here, John. 
we just talked to Brendan brought up the fact that Alexander Ovechkin's his favorite non-order because we're talking about you know who's the fans' favorite non-orders given that the Sedins are retiring out of Vancouver. I believe yeah, I still don't know how Malkin didn't make the top 100 all the time. Well, he should have. And here's here's what happened. I, I guarantee you what happened. There was a Toronto bias, and there are two guys in the top 100 players that are former Toronto Maple Leafs that should not have been in the top 100 ahead of Evgeny Malkin. Who are those and two players? And that's Matt, Matt, Matt Sundin and Daryl Sittler. I 100% agree with you. And I, I, I was one of the 57 voters. Full disclosure, I was one of those 57 voters. And Evgeny Malkin made Matt my ballot, and Matt Sundin and Daryl Sittler did not. And you're still allowed to do TV in Toronto after admitting to that? No, I'm really only allowed to do TV in Western Canada. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right, so I think there's a bit, like, sometimes I think we're harder on Russian players. Like, you look at Ovechkin and Malkin, I, I wonder if there's a degree of that out there. Oh, I, listen, I think, I, I think there is a bias, and I think the Ovechkin bias will always be uh, his playoff performances. I mean, yep. you can say everything you want about Ovechkin. He's not been past the second round. I mean, Connor McDavid has now been as far in the playoffs as Alexander Ovechkin has. Yep. Uh, and and that will that will haunt that will haunt Ovechkin until his dying day. He may, he may become the next Brad Park. You know, the greatest player never to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, th- that's uh, that's going to be a, a, a reality. In my opinion, that, that will be a reality for Alexander Ovechkin because I don't I, I don't see the Caps ever winning. All right. Well, uh, you know, and, and in fairness uh, to Ovechkin, Park played in a time where you know they went from six to twelve teams, so a little bit different era. Might have been a little easier to win back then. And Park was probably for a number of years on the third or fourth oh, best team in the NHL. Park, right? Park, never, Park never played in the sixteen league. Park played in the twelve. 14, yeah. 16, 17, 21. What, what was his first 24. year? 67, 68. I think he was. He was. Yeah, he, he joined the Rangers the year after Orr joined the Bruins. So yeah, right. 67, 67 68 was his first year. All right, John. So uh, anyhow, the, the reason we we had the discussion point just again back circling back to it is that the Oilers made when. I mean, last year, everything looked, you know, a, a year ago at this time, Edmonton had gone from 27th to 8th defensively, from 25th to 8th offensively, and New Jersey had gone the other way. The trade is always going to be debated. I mean, I can tell you right now, last 24 games, Adam Larson is plus 18. And as an Edmonton Oiler in two years, Adam Larson is plus 33. He is not Taylor Hall. Let's establish that right now. Taylor Hall is 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 reached the zenith of his potential and is having a tremendous year, and I'm not cheering against him. I want to see Taylor be successful. But in terms of the moves that Edmonton made as a whole, this just wasn't Peter Shirelli coming in. This was an entire organization saying, we got pushed around, we got to compete in the Pacific. Peter stated it in his opening address. We got to win games in the Pacific, and there's big, heavy teams, and, and we've got to build a team accordingly. Now, what's happened is the league, the, the path the orders chose, the league has gone in a different direction. So now Edmonton has to make some adjustments. Yeah, like, like every team does. Like, by the way, the New Jersey Devils made. You know, and what they did is they got, you know, they won a bidding war for a young Will Butcher. Uh, the uh, the college kid, 
They drafted Jesper Fast, and ex- they didn't expect him to make the team. They were bad enough to have the first overall pick, just like the Oilers were, and they got Nico Heischer. You know, Ray Shiro, Ray Shiro, you know, it, it does point to what the manager does and what the manager's philosophy is. Ray Shiro, and I think this is because he played in the Eastern Conference, and the East adapted to the speed game a year and a half faster than the West. Just by pure need of trying to compete against Sydney and trying to compete against the kids in Tampa. So all of a sudden, every other team, as you know, it's a copycat league, so everybody's now wanting to be like the triplets in Tampa. Everybody wants to have Sydney and Phil Kessel. So the East had to change quicker. And and I, Ray Shiro, in his time in New Jersey, identified that faster than a, a manager in the West would because you, you didn't need to do it as fast in, in the West when you had still had big teams. By the way, Anaheim is still a big team. You know, L.A. is still a big team. They have made uh, some changes to their speed, but they are still big, bruising hockey clubs, and I fully expect it to be on display when they get to the playoffs. John Shannon joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers now. John, that's much focus. The Sedins are retiring. It's official now. Um, I've said my piece. I'd like you to give our listeners your thoughts on uh, on what Henrik and Daniel meant to that organization and meant to that city. Well, I, I, even what they meant to the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, from the time that they were drafted, and and by the way, you know, give Brian Burke credit for being able to trade up and get both of them. Uh, that was a brilliant move by uh, a general manager that needed to do something in that for that franchise. Um, so they, they in many ways understood that the puck moved faster than they did and that six cents that they had for each other made them so effective during that first decade that they played. And I also think they endured a ton of criticism. I think they endured a ton of on-ice, well, for want of a better word, bullying because of their style, because of their passive nature. But nobody, I can assure you this, and I've learned this the last couple of years, Nobody was more competitive than the than Daniel and Henrik. Nobody wanted to win more than Daniel and Henrik. And every teammate will tell you the same thing. What did you learn about Daniel and Henrik? How much they wanted to win every game. How much they wanted to win every shift. And the one thing I will tell you is that Daniel and Henrik, in true professional fashion, made the transition this year so much easier for Travis Green because they knew what they were going to do. There are a lot of superstar players in their aging years, and you can insert Yarmer Yager's name into this, that made coaches' lives miserable because they wouldn't accept their roles. Well, Daniel and Henrik understood it. They understood their role and never grumbled once. And so much the transition to the young guys, the, you know, that became Horvat Besser, Berchi's team, because Daniel and Henrik understood their roles and understood what they would have to do in the new team. It truly was in many ways, When we, I think we'll look back five years from now and talk about those last two years of the, of the Sedins and say, man, oh man, were they professionals. Well, you know, it's kind of ironic because when they came in, 
You know, they didn't knock it out of the park. They were second-line players because the yep. West Coast Express was there at the time. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, when, you know, when, when Morrison and Bertuzzi and Maslin were there, I mean, that to me was, uh, I mean, Mark Crawford's team was, I would tell you, was the most exciting hockey team I ever watched on a regular basis. I mean, they were a circus. They were like the Harlem Globetrotters up and okay. down the ice. John, John, I have a healthy amount of respect. Are you saying they were more exciting than watching the Oilers of the 1980s? Because you worked all over no, the playoffs. No, I'm talking about... I, no, 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 no. That, that's apples and oranges. You know, I mean, I, I'm talking about at the turn of the century when when Mark Crawford's hockey club was at its, uh, at its pinnacle. They were the most exciting team to watch in hockey, and Vancouver Canucks fans were spoiled every night because they were so aggressively offensive. Okay, so you're, not, they were, saying they were more, you're not saying they were more exciting than watching Gretzky, Messier, no. Curry. No, I'm, ta- I'm talking about at the time in the NHL. When you talked about, uh, the, you know, what was it? I guess, you know, the 30 teams in the league, yeah. that Canuck team was the most exciting team to watch at the time. All right, so John, let me let's do this. Uh, we're a week away. There's not been one coach in one uh, head coach get fired all year. Uh, we just had Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, you know, there's been some people debate. I think, but I sense by what you said at the start of your appearance today, uh, you and me are both of the same belief that uh, there's a, a path to continue down uh, with a GM and a head coach in Edmonton. Where would you see the the greatest likelihood of change? Uh, in the National Hockey League with a coach. And part of it might have to do just with the nature of the contracts. You know, maybe a guy's in a club option or something like that. Well, I think you have to wonder what's going on in Chicago, uh, whether Quenville stays or goes. I think you have to wonder what's going on in Calgary, how much pressure Glenn Gullitson is under. Uh, I think you have to wonder whether Ken Hitchcock will come back for another year. I think that's an interesting story to look yes. at. Uh, Bill Peters in Carolina uh, is another one. He has an option uh, to stay or go. And, you know, if you look at the soap opera that has been the front office of the Hurricanes since they um, promoted, moved aside, uh, Ronnie Francis, uh, that that's one to watch. Um, and and it, I, I would suggest that as soon as Quinville becomes available, uh, there will be owners lining up to say, hey, let's fire our guy, let's try to get that guy. So I, I think that this, there's a minimum four or five right away, and I wouldn't be surprised before July the 1st, it's the number's up to eight. All right, John, as always, uh, thank you for your time here in Oilers Now, and I know that uh, people can watch you on uh, NHL Hockey and Rogers. Western you you never asked me who my favorite guy was. You never asked me. Oh, I think I know, but go ahead, bring it. Well, who is it? Does it have to be a current guy? Uh, it could be a guy from the past. Okay. Uh, favorite non-oiler of the past, and then currently. Well, uh, well Andy Bathgate. Andy Bathgate <laughs> was my childhood hero. I would Andy have Bathgate. never. I would have never gotten Andy Bathgate. No, I know. That's why you needed to ask me. And then I mean, listen. I think when you look at the baseball swats that Sydney, I mean, Sydney is just so much fun to watch at both ends of the ice. How can you not? How can how can you not enjoy what Sidney Crosby does on a regular basis? Well, I have a tremendous amount of respect for how good he is. We just here's the thing: the four guys I listed, Aguilla, Solani, and then the two Sidneys. I personally had a chance to see a lot, like, and you know. 
Now, the way our, the structure of our show has worked the last several years, Jack does the majority of the interviews uh, on the road with the visiting teams just because of timeline and being back yeah. hosting the show. But I will tell you that those guys, for me, Jerome Ginla, Timo Solani, and the two Sedins, uh, they'll always be, you know, four, four of my favorites, even though they were often guys that were lighting up the Edmonton Oilers. You know, they just yeah. had a tremendous... And you know what? They, they all were classy guys. They were all classy guys. Yeah, good point, Bob. That was good on you. Good on you. Well, I, 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 finally agree, I finally agree with you something. You know what? I, I never thought of Andy Bathgate. Oh, <laughs> are you kidding me? You're not old enough to remember Andy Bathgate. Well, Gil Fleur was my guy. I got, oh, I, hey, it, when I know you get bored in the playoffs when the order's on in it, we can tell Lafleur. I got some good Lafleur stories. We'll have to do that one. Is that when he's smoking or not smoking? Uh, he, he might have had a cigarette in his hand. I mean, would you be sitting with him five hours before the game on the bench sometimes when you're producing those games out east back in the day? Uh, or the <laughs> night before in the bar. Oh, well, I guess the statue of limitations has, has gone down that front. Great stuff, oh, no, I John. Tell the, I tell the, I, I, I'll, I will, next time we're doing it, I will tell you a story that will uh, make you appreciate Guy Lafleur even more. All right, awesome stuff. we got that to look forward to next Monday at Oilers Now. That is John Shannon from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play a little Mr. Lube trivia. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place, ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton Showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.57 in Welcome back, everybody. Oilers Now. Some guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris greatest steak you've ever had. Tell them Oilers now since you say hello to Rebecca and the staff at Ruth's Chris. And if you're looking for a fun destination this year, take the kids to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. Fabulous food, uh, great fun, warm weather. Book now with New S Travel. Your Disneyland California package includes nonstop airfare, four-star hotel, for seven nights, five-day attraction passes, for reservations to Disneyland, call the travel experts at New West Travel, 780-432-7446, or online at newwesttravel.com. Two, Stopper Trivia. Four, Mr. Lube, up for grabs, a $50 gift certificate to Mr. Lube. We're going to make it about the Sedins. Here you go. They went second and third in the 1999 NHL draft. Which... High-scoring sniper out of Calgary that I thought was a stone-cold mortal lock. I know the Calgary hitman went fourth to the New York Rangers. 780-496-0063. Off to a Global News Weather Traffic Update, Morgan Smith.